panic back to Washington that same night. Rumors immediately began circulating through the Capitol that General McDowell was a traitor. The morning after the battle, Lincoln dismissed him as commander. President Lincoln's next choice was the diminutive General George Brinton McClellan. Just 34, Little Mac patterned himself after Napoleon. He was the first American general to understand the art of public relations. The victor of a small skirmish in the mountains of West Virginia, McClellan and his supporters had embroidered the tiny engagement into the greatest victory since Yorktown. However, he proved to be an expert at reorganizing an army shattered by its humiliation at Manassas. His problems only began when Lincoln asked him to use it. If McDowell had been reluctant to fight, McClellan made avoiding battles an art form. By November of 1861, his army numbered more than 120,000 men, while the Confederates could muster only 45,000 to repel him. Yet McClellan managed to convince himself that the enemy force was four times the size of his own and demanded more troops. Lincoln became increasingly impatient. In the spring of 1862, McClellan decided to ferry his vast army by ship to the southeastern tip of the Virginia Peninsula. He then slowly moved north toward the Confederate capital of Richmond. After a long, unsuccessful attempt to lay siege to the city, he retreated back down the peninsula. When McClellan began whining for more troops, Lincoln decided to bring in General John Pope, who had recently won a successful engagement in the western theater of the war. Unfortunately, Pope was incompetent, as well as a blowhard. After publicly denigrating the troops he was about to command, he stated that henceforth, my headquarters will be in the saddle, which led one irreverent observer to declare, the dumb son of a bitch doesn't even know his headquarters from his hindquarters. This proved to be exactly the case. Outmaneuvered at every step by General Robert E. Lee, he suffered another disastrous defeat near Manassas in virtually the same place where McDowell had been routed a year earlier. With the Union Army in a state of near chaos, Lee now led his forces into Maryland in the first invasion of the North. The Prime Minister of England, Viscount Palmerston, was fully prepared to recommend that the Confederacy be recognized as an independent nation after Lee's next anticipated success. Lincoln was forced to call McClellan back to try to save the day. Fate now presented Little Mac with a golden opportunity that remains unparalleled in American military history. By chance, a written copy of Lee's complete plan of operations was found by two Union soldiers and taken to the commanding general. It revealed that Lee had split his army into four separate parts. If McClellan moved quickly, he had a chance to annihilate Lee's forces before they could reunite, thus ending the war. McClellan squandered three days moving his army just 30 miles to the village of Sharpsburg, Maryland. There, Lee, with a force only one-third the size of McClellan's, audaciously decided to stand and fight. McClellan, instead of using his overwhelming advantage to attack along the whole battle line, sent his men into battle piecemeal. When the carnage at Antietam was over, the two armies had simply fought to a bloody standstill. President Lincoln was finished with McClellan. Who would be his next choice? The decision was complicated by the fact that Lincoln's popularity had sunk to its lowest ebb in the war. In addition to having selected a parade of losing generals to command the Union Army, 
he had shown a terrible penchant for appointing militarily incompetent political friends like Senator Edward Baker to important army commands. Their failure had led to the unnecessary deaths of thousands of brave Union soldiers. Further, his appointment of corrupt politicians like Simon Cameron to the highest posts in the War Department had resulted in the theft of public funds on a monumental and unprecedented scale. Even worse, war profiteers were delivering military equipment to the Army that was often shoddy and defective. Understandably, many of the Army's career officers had come to revile the President. As the military defeats piled up, their anger became increasingly palpable. It was shared by the public at large. In the national election that took place just a few weeks after the Antietam battle, Lincoln's Republican Party lost 34 congressional seats. President Lincoln narrowed his next choice of army commander.